0: I want to thank all of you for listening today. My name is Shanti Harkness, and I'm the media manager for On Technology Partners, a woman-owned company addressing cybersecurity and risk. As a woman-owned business for 30 years, we wanted to share the stories of women and the struggles, triumphs, and reflections they face. This is why we started Women Stars. Join us as we share the reflections of women just like you that have survived struggles and embraced triumphs in their lives. Today, we'll be talking with Angie Ilg, a life coach based in Cleveland, Ohio. Angie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. So before we begin, tell us something that others may not know about you or, or something exciting about yourself, just to kind of break the ice a little.
1: So um, during quarantine time, I, I purchased a lifetime access to Rosetta Stone, and I've been working on my French, which I used to speak fluently. I have plans to add in Spanish once I've got my legs back with French. And also a lot of people don't know when I was uh, 20, I think it was 20, I rode a bicycle across the United States from Jacksonville, Florida to San Francisco, California to raise awareness of affordable housing and to work on affordable housing. Um, We actually worked in the area hit by uh in Louisiana HIPAA hurricane katrina i believe it was so
0: yeah wow that is impressive i thought <laughs> doing a 30 mile bike ride around the county was was a lot i can't <laughs> imagine going across country <laughs> oh my goodness
1: someone wow. like 30 miles is still impressive i don't know how i did that yeah how how long did that take you we were traveling as a group of us for about i think it was 9 weeks But built-in were some housing days where we would work on a house. So we actually, on our um, route, we did two weeks in Louisiana. Other routes in this organization would do like a day or two build and then continue on. So it's usually about that whole summer and like nine weeks or so. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) It's so crazy. It's the type of thing you can do once because you don't know what you're getting into. (laughs) And now you know. (laughs) Yes. I know some people that have done it more than once, but you know, I think they are just different breed. They just like it. They love cycling. They love cycling.
0: I I have a few friends that are like that, that it's mind boggling. Miles they'll do in a day or a week. It's just like, wow.
1: (laughs) I know. I know.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. So so let's go ahead and just dive right in. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you do for work, what it's like, how long you've been doing it.
1: Yeah, great. So I am a life coach and I also run a circle for women who are interested in being able to um, effectively speak publicly or just be able to um, use their voice in a way where they can feel comfortable doing that. So I'm doing a couple things, but they really interrelate. And primarily I'm doing um, that coaching and I've been doing it for four years. I got into coaching or sorry, you said, what is it like? So um, it's amazing. I absolutely love what I do. I feel I'm really doing what I've meant to do, really able to use the gifts I've been given to help others and the experience I've been through to help others not have to go through some of the difficult things I went through. It's amazing getting to work, especially one-on-one with people because it's such a, really, it's like an intimate experience. It is really fulfilling for both me and my clients because they're seeing their lives change. They're seeing themselves transform internally and, and have their lives externally transform for the better. And then just like in a practical sense, what it's like is I do coaching over, over Zoom now. Um, but the video element really is, it almost feels like you're together. So I'm sure anyone listening can relate really how Zoom feels that way now to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I think
0: as a whole, we're getting more comfortable with it because really we're, we're forced to. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, especially with, with something like, like life coaching, I, I feel like that, that video element and being able to see the person is absolutely crucial to to establishing that connection and that rapport with the person. So it's, it's good that you have that ability with your clients.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really grateful for the technology. Absolutely.
0: So, so how did you, how did you come to realize that this is what you wanted to do with your life to, to be a life coach and helping people?
1: So it really started a longer, much longer ago than I actually began coaching. I had struggled with anxiety disorders that had developed in my teenage years, and I had tried to get help in different forms, and I didn't even know what coaching was. I sort of fell into it as the way that, as a source of support for me, I had tried talking to doctors, therapists, even psychiatrists. And although there were some practitioners that could help me, it was through self-help books that I began to transform. And those books happened to be written by coaches. Then I began working more closely with the coaches who wrote the books in a small circle, like a, a mastermind almost. And that was in 2013. And then after that, started working one-on-one with the coach. And when I was in that mastermind in 2013, I, um, I thought it looked amazing what they were doing. And every single thing I learned in these books, everything, I've always loved psychology. So I, I took psychology. I minored in it in, in college and I took it in high school. Everything I was learning about brain science and just, it was magical to me because it was all working. It fascinated me and I thought maybe I could do that, but I was just... I doubted myself way too much at that time. And I maybe wasn't at a place where I was ready yet to help others because of the amount of support I was still needing and how much I was still working through for myself. And then one of the anxiety disorders I had struggled with was OCD. I started going, once I discovered it was OCD, I started going to a support group. And within about a year, I had started to really recover. And I was going to the support group now more so to share what was helpful. And I realized since... I wasn't, you know, a coach or a therapist that wasn't my place yet, you know, to be able to help these people, but I could see so much potential in everyone. I needed some sort of vehicle to really be able to support them at a deep level. And I went on a Wednesday night to one of those group meetings. And that night I decided to enroll in my first course for coaching and began that day after. Yeah, definitely have not looked back since then. Great, definitely
0: being able to to share your experiences and and what has helped you, it, it, at least in in my experience, is so much more helpful than just telling somebody, yeah, this is what you need to do when you've actually gone through it and and have something that works for you. To be able to share that just makes all the difference in the world. Um, so that's I great that you've had that experience.
1: I hundred percent agree, and I find it really. Just a really beautiful way to be in community with people whether or not I'm coaching is to say hey this is what worked for me not like you should do this because that's totally different energy mm-hmm. um, and actually in one of the groups I'm in as uh, a client I not not as a coach that's one of the the guidelines is we really don't give advice to each other we actually just share what we're inspired by or what works for us and that was definitely um, in 2018 I had this clear knowing this clear intuition that I'm not meant here to tell others what to do. I'm here to share my, ex- to teach through sharing my experience. That's great. That's definitely
0: needed more in in society because there's so many people that would just love to tell you what to do, <laughs> but yeah. have, no, have no personal experience from that. So it's, it's definitely much, much more effective having that yeah. personal experience and it allows you to connect with, with the other person on a deeper level, which, you know, helps to, as you know, establishes that trust and, and, you know, that, that understanding that, you know, this isn't, this isn't the end of the world, so to speak, like, I can get through this, I can move on and and grow and develop and learn and, and not be, you know, so ruled or controlled by, by all of these different things. So, yeah, wonderful. Absolutely.
1: It's that vulnerability too that creates connection and there's nothing like knowing you're not the only one, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. It will be immediate relief. Yes. I think I mean, always have this thought. It's just me, you yes. know? Nobody's
0: going through the same thing yeah. and nobody has any idea. I'm all alone. I'm the only one going, Oh, I can relate to that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think, I think as a whole people just across the board feel like that, like that, that they're the only ones going through this and nobody else could possibly understand. And, and so by being able to share that personal experience, you're saying, look, I've been exactly where you are. It can get better. It will get better. And this is what helped me. Yes, absolutely. It's wonderful. So before we dive into different struggles that, that you've experienced throughout your life, let's um, just take a moment and focus on some of your biggest triumphs. Um, if you could share what what those triumphs were and, and what made them such great triumphs for you.
1: Yeah. And I love questions like this because I feel like we forget to celebrate, you know, and it's such an important part of our growth, an important part of uh, like crystallizing what's happened and realizing What we've accomplished, and I, and for me, some of my biggest triumphs are less tangible things. My biggest triumph is creating true, deep self-love. That, for sure, across the board, I could say that hands down, that's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Because I feel that by truly loving myself, it makes so many things possible. It opens up so many doors for me that if that weren't there, it would just work so much in my life. And with that, not surprisingly, creating really beautiful relationships, including now my marriage, but also friendships, deep friendships where I can be vulnerable with people and get to be my true self and things that weren't there in the past, Probably because the self love wasn't there and the, some understandings about healthy relationships what weren't there um, and then on a more tangible level creating actually having a business doing what I feel I'm meant to do and what I love to do and I'm passionate about that's a huge triumph to me i I struggled so much for many years because i didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know what I was meant to do. I just judged myself so hard thinking everyone else does, like we're just talking about thinking everyone else knows. And so that, you know, getting to that place where I am actually not only knowing, but able to do that, it's really such a blessing. And it's really a huge part of what's created a lot of mental and emotional health in my life is doing what I'm passionate about. I think that one thing I heard when I was early on in that first course I was taking, the the teacher said, passion over pills. And he was speaking to, you know, we do have a culture that with mental and emotional health can often overprescribe, not that it's not helpful for many things, but that when we're doing what we love, it is a big part of our our overall health, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, whether that's your purpose in personal or professional it doesn't have to be just in work. Yeah. I couldn't agree more.
0: And, and, and I love that you included uh, as part of your triumphs things that, that aren't necessarily tangible. Like I think that self-love is so important and, and goes an incredibly long way towards health and happiness and and just our overall well-being. I know that it for me personally that's something that I struggled with for many many years and so to to be able to to get to that point where you do love yourself and and stop punishing yourself for things that you know aren't in your control or are things that your restless mind has has convinced you or are real that you know aren't necessarily real I think that that self-love is just so important and I think as as women we tend to be very harsh and critical of ourselves like our our own worst enemies so to speak with with you know feeling like we should be able to do everything under the sun and you know not be exhausted at the end of the day (laughs) it's just you know having realistic expectations of ourselves um and and You know, loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves so that we can continue to do, you know, what what brings us joy and happiness. I think is is so important. So I'm I'm glad that you shared that.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I love everything you just shared around it because we hear that a lot. We hear the phrase self love a lot, and so it's easy to not really understand. it's, (laughs) It's um, it's not an airy fairy idea. It's not like this nice, you know. I, I take bubble baths, like that could be a part of it, but um it is you know so it's such a deep experience, and it's a relationship like any other relationship. I agree, thank
0: you so much for sharing all that. yeah, so we know that that triumphs don't come out come without struggle, so tell us a little bit about what some of your biggest struggles have been, either personally or professionally. Um, how you were able to get through them, how they affected you, what kind of impact they had on your life or your career, and and what really made it so challenging?
1: Yeah, so, and for me, the struggles, personal and professional interweave, and I've seen the ways that my personal struggles, as I've come through them, then they were, became, uh, they showed up professionally for me to work through next, and it's All internal. It was self-doubt, anxiety, and the stuff you were talking about with that. I I forget exactly how you said it about the mind—the chattering mind or the overactive mind. So limiting beliefs, just you know, my mind working against me rather than working for me, and that that you know will never be not a part of my life. I don't. I think that would be unrealistic to say these things never come up, Um, but. Where they are now to where they were is vastly different. Um, When I was struggling, I would say when I was suffering from anxiety and from self-doubt and lack of self-worth, it impacted every single thing. And at its worst, for example, when it was, I would say, anxiety disorder level anxiety, I would wake up and as soon as my mind could wake up, you know, that first few minutes you're kind of still a little sleepy, as soon as it would start to wake up, it would start to look for what's that thing I need to worry about that, you know, I was worrying about yesterday, and then it would be all day until I went to sleep. I even had a panic attack during that time, which is a terrifying experience. I've only ever had that once that I can remember. And and it it just impacted, I would say, I mean, this went on for years, so there were different impacts at different times, but Lack of self-worth was a huge part of me being in unhealthy relationships. And then the self-doubt was a huge part of struggling to figure out what it was I really wanted to do in life. And then when I was beginning to do it, just a lot of challenges daily of actually showing up for the work, putting, putting myself out there in certain ways, like in writing or speaking or whatever it was. And I think anxiety can be incredibly draining it's It takes a lot of energy, so the attention that the mind takes to go to the anxiety and whereas it could be focused on your priorities and your values so so that aspect was a big a big struggle for me
0: i hey, I can relate to that a lot i many many years ago suffered from from quite debilitating anxiety and depression and and you had mentioned having a panic attack i actually ended up in the emergency room with with what i found out was a panic attack but it it felt like i was having a heart attack but i was like 20 21 22 years old i was like there's no way i could be having a heart attack like <laughs> that's not you know and and it was just that overwhelming anxiety and and you know self doubt and and self criticism that that my restless mind just latched onto that just kind of led me down this this downward spiral but what really helped me out of that was was a shift in mindset and changing the understandings that i reached for and it was a struggle i mean i i had to continuously work on that every single moment of every day but I mean, that doesn't have to be your life sentence, you know. There's, there's, there's a light, you know. There, there's a way out. So, um, I think that's important for people to understand when they are going through struggles that it's just temporary. Like this will pass. It might feel like it's taking forever, <laughs> but it will pass, and you will get through this. So that's that's a nice reminder.
1: That's so well put, and I do remember at the depths of the anxiety disorders, feeling like I was at the bottom of a dark well. And I could see that there was light somewhere, but I didn't know how. I had no idea how I would ever climb out of that well. But you just keep, if you're willing to, you just keep trying and finding what works. And it's it's 100% absolutely possible. I do not suffer from anxiety. I have anxiety experiences. I do not suffer from anxiety or anxiety disorders.
0: Yeah.
1: Wonderful. The, the well analogy is, is
0: spot on. And right. It, you know, for, for those of us that, that suffer, you know, with things like anxiety or depression or, you know, any kind of mental challenges, um, we're fighters. Like, we have to keep going. And I think that's important to remember also that, you know, there's no option to just give up like you have to keep going, you have to keep fighting, it will get better. There is, you know, there is a light in the well, we just have to keep fighting to get there. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's the whole process. That's what makes the triumphs so much more, more powerful and, and satisfying is, you know, Yes. we're not handed everything on a silver platter, like we fight for everything that we get. And And I think that's, I think that's a really, I think it's really Gratifying and and just makes you appreciate everything in life so much more when when you 100%. have to go through that.
1: One hundred percent. There's actually a lot of wisdom in our suffering as well. <clears throat> you're speaking to that, and there's so much that I know now about anxiety specifically. Like if we could talk for a whole extra hour, out <laughs> there's so much on anxiety because it's actually if you're experiencing anxiety, it's. it's uh, a sign that you have an incredibly beautifully imaginative mind and a depth to you that you're able to experience this. And I'm really grateful that I can help people because, uh, that's definitely one thing that across the board, the people I work with, it's, it's strong, you know, like high levels of anxiety. So these new understandings around it are, are life-changing. And like you said, it's just a matter of choosing to not give up and believe even if it doesn't seem possible. find a speck of belief that you absolutely can overcome this. With OCD, I would read in the books that I was using to overcome OCD that it was chronic. And I was like, no, I just choose to not decide that for myself. I choose to not believe that for myself. I'm not going to manage this. To manage means I will have it in my life to work with. I'm choosing to overcome so that it's not in my life. So even if you're told that it's something chronic. It's not necessarily true. Absolutely. I I was told, I'll
0: share real quickly. I was told, so I had severe depression my entire life from the time I was like probably four years old was, was the first time I felt what I know now to be depression. And it lasted all the way, teens, twenties, early thirties. And, you know, I was hospitalized numerous times at horribly. At one point in time, I was on 18 different medications, trying to to manage wow. it. Um, and I was told that this is the way my life is going to be, that I'll be on medication for the rest of my life, that this is just, this is how it's got to be. And I refused to accept that. I was like, there's no way. Like, I can't no, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to suffer every single day like this. Um, so I chose not to. And, and I chose to, to instead, you know, research and, and read everything that I could on the brain and the mind and, you know, what I was going through and experiencing and researching, you know, alternative treatment options and just trial and error until I found something that worked for me. And so having that life sentence of you're going to be on these medications for the rest of your life. No, no, I'm not. (laughs) I haven't been on any medications in years and I'm fine. Like I've gone through, you know, serious, serious traumas and and losses in my life that that in the past would have just sent me down a, a downward spiral. But I was able to experience peace and, and this inner stillness and calmness that, that I never had experienced before. So I, I, I think, you know, to what you mentioned, like, it's really important for us to reach for the, the understanding and belief that we can make changes. You know, nothing has to be a life sentence. There is always something that we can do. There is always something that we can do to help better our situation and our circumstances.
1: Yes, that's amazing and it's that decision. Like we think we're presented something as if there's not a cho- we don't have a choice, but you had a choice and you decided and that's that warrior spirit. Like you you mentioned that being a fighter, it's a warrior spirit that you just decided it's not going to be this way. And I I really believe that we are our top doc. Like we have we can have physicians and doctors, but then we're the only one in our body. So, we do have to come back to that place for that almost like that CEO, you know, of ourselves, Absolutely. of our health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So as women, we
0: juggle a multitude of, of different things, career and family, household responsibilities, um, illnesses, caregiving. Um, how do you find the, the support that you need to address or to, to manage or juggle all of these different things?
1: Yeah, so I... Uh, Set up systems. I like to make things easy if they can be easy and not repeat things if they could be automized. That's just like a practical. I definitely have a, I'm a Capricorn. I feel like that part of me is like very organized and <laughs> I did a lot of virtual assisting. So I, I'm really quick with things like that. So I've got that going for me, which is really helpful. I also have a support support in other coaches that I'm always talking with. And right now I'm in a a small mastermind with a couple coaches. So they're really supportive for me. And yeah, just, I think it's a lot about the perspective and prioritizing. There's a a really awesome author, Kate Northrup. Are you familiar with her? Mm -hmm. So she's, she wrote a book called do less. I haven't actually read the whole book. I flipped through, but I've listened to a lot of what she talked about, read her, her blogs and She's not the only person talking about this, but she's coming to mind and just really helping women, um, especially women with kids. I actually don't have kids, but for women with kids, she's great. Um, and she talks about thinking mm, like she asks some questions. Does this need to be done? Does this need to be done right now? Does this need to be done right now by me? And really getting in touch with what's important, prioritizing, what are your values Um, And also, I really value focusing on one thing at a time. I'm not a big fan of multitasking. I think there are certain phases of our cycle as women where we can actually effectively multitask, but then a lot of the time, that's not our optimum energy or skill. And I really like giving myself that gift of doing one thing and getting to be in flow like creative flow with it or whatever it is and actually finish that or have like a solid chunk of time. I think that that really helps um, getting to do some deep work and not um, going over to like an app or text messages or whatever, as much as possible.
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with, with being focused on one task at a time. I've, I read a couple of studies over the years about how, when we multitask, how our our productivity is drastically reduced. We're more yeah. prone to making mistakes. We're more prone to to missing things or forgetting things when we're multitasking. Um, I I know for me over the past several years, I've I've really tried to to focus on doing one thing at a time, so so that that has my attention, um, and I've definitely noticed more. More inspiration when I do that, more creativity, more less mistakes for sure. (laughs) And and just being able to 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 focus your energy on that one thing is is so much more satisfying than just being all scattered and in all of these different directions. It's it's much more I feel like it's much more frantic and hectic when we do that. And and stressful. We don't need more stress.
1: <laughs> no. That's exactly the feeling cuz I'll catch myself doing it and I'm I'm highly sensitive so I notice things, I notice subtle changes and I will notice when I'm trying to do multiple things it feels like I don't know why I'm going to compare it to this, but it almost feels like if you've ever read one of those magazines that has like all the tabloid stuff in it and like you're entertained for a second and then you're like, Oh, like I just do not feel good. It feels like that somehow, like, like, this is not what my body wants. This is not what my mind wants. This is not, it doesn't feel healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A good example of that is like texting when you're driving, you know, that's a really bad one. And I will be honest, I definitely have like, that'll come up for me. And I'm like, what am I doing? And it it feels so awful. So, yeah.
0: So for all of our viewers, no texting while driving, please.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: (laughs) So Andy, do you think that a person has to overcome serious setbacks or challenges in order to, to be truly successful?
1: yeah I love this question um, because yes, I believe I was talking to a friend about this a few years ago a coach because we were talking we were going through hard stuff and we we're like why is this life like why are we why is it so hard sometimes and so challenging And I was saying that I think that we go through these really hard things because that's how we discover a deeper part of ourselves and that's how we discover, a gift that we have or a strength that we have. It's like we have to go through the challenges in order to be peeling back the layers that are on top of our true selves. So I really think that it's through these hard things that we end up becoming more of our true self, more of our, uh, like free to share ourselves and, and strong in who we are and in our gifts. I also think that life is just full of challenges and, and struggles It's like life is just not necessarily this easy thing for anyone so if you're not overcoming your challenges that means you're either stuck in them or you're, you're under them buried in them so I do think that in order to be successful it goes hand in hand with overcoming your challenges because that's just uh, it's just a part of the game I agree I had a um
0: I, I know somebody that that many many years ago was training for competing in the Olympic hurdles, and you know he he thought he was so great and everything until he met his coach who had medaled in the Olympics in hurdling, and he he told my friend that every time you jump a hurdle, you should be getting faster, not slower. So you're actually using the hurdles. To make you stronger, to make you faster, rather than slowing you down, and that—that's always really stuck with me. Like we're using, you know, we're supposed to use these challenges that we go through in life to make us stronger, not to knock us down. So we should be getting stronger and and faster in this case, but you know, getting stronger with each hurdle that we overcome. Um, I I thought was just a great analogy for life.
1: So that is what you said. It really paints a picture for me that one, and I try to remember this and remind my friends too when the things are coming up and we're, um, you know, having a hard time. It's like good. This means something good is close. It means I'm on the edge of a lot of light. You know, if that challenge or struggle is there, and that perspective itself really helps allow whatever's happening, and that it that allowance means that I can move through it much more gracefully, much probably quicker. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I definitely agree. So, we have so many so many things in in this modern age that that we have to balance. How how do you maintain that work-life balance?
1: I love this question and I'm I'm always so curious to hear from different women cuz we all have such different circumstances and like and, uh, responsibilities, things like that. I really value holding self-honor really high in my life. So that could look like honoring where my energy is at, honoring where I'm at in my cycle. I really think that the, that nature is such a powerful resource we have available to us, most of us probably very easily. And that can help uh take the, the earth really is amazing um it, it has this i probably won't be able to explain it very well but what i find is when i go out into nature it's like the energy that needs to go can go and it's like it takes it off my shoulders so using nature being outside i also learned this really simple technique it's called goddess hour and it really only takes a minute but it's called Goddess Hour. And you can do this at the end of a workday and you ask, what am I feeling? What am I needing? You can ask that internally. And it's helpful because typically a lot of us for work can, it can be a lot of masculine energy, can be a lot focused on productivity. And for most people, even checking in with your emotions and your needs is not a habit. So that one, if I'm really over in like overdrive, that, that question that takes 30 seconds, can help me discover, okay, this is what I'm needing. And then I have that choice to find a way to take care, take care of that need. I also do as much as possible loving discipline when it comes to sleep. In the past, I would stay up too late. And I, fortunately this year, I've been able to shift my sleep schedule through, I learned a lot in this book called The Circadian Code. It was really great if anyone is interested in um, understanding circadian rhythm. And it helps me to go to bed Earlier, and I actually then did hypnotherapy around it too, which has really—I mean—that's just a huge part. Our sleep is—it's um, in like every book that I read about in terms of like time and managing your time. It's just that reset for our body. So as much as possible, I—I I can only imagine for women with little kids. Um, I'm curious, how do they do it? <laughs> you know? And then I have a few other things. I also try to have perspective on priorities. Like what I talked about, I think that we get these ideas in our head of all the things we should do or need to do. And I, hopefully for other people as well, this quarantine time has helped me simplify. Oh my gosh. There is magic in simplicity. Uh, And this is, this has been coming to me for a while, but I've really seen it in this isolation time, just taking things off the list. Totally. It's, you know, maybe it does check. Does it really need to be done? Do you really do you really care about this thing? So yeah, those things. And then also something I've just begun learning about is energetic boundaries. And it's similar to boundaries we set with each, with others. uh, But it's just a little bit more about the energetic part of that. And that's been really important for me as a sensitive person. I um, can easily take on others' energy or be really affected by the environment and other people's energy. So it's been a part of me being able to do more of what I need to do and feel good about the times that I speak my needs or say no.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and your last statement about speaking your needs, I think is, is really important too, because I, I feel like as women, we have a habit of not speaking up and asking for what we need or asking for help. Um, when we need it, and and just feeling like we have to take care of everything ourselves, or it's just not going to get done right, or not get done uh-huh. wrong. Um, so I, I definitely think that that speaking up and and asking for what you need in the moment is is so important and could help, you know, in in so many different areas of our life, in work, at home, with family, with friends, just in general. And, and also like you mentioned, spending time in nature and really allowing nature to just wash everything, wash it, wash the day's worries away. Um, I, I know that I definitely feel much more recharged and, and vitalized, revitalized when, when I'm in nature more. Um, so thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah. And that can be easy too. It could be like, if you have a yard laying in the grass, like it doesn't have to be you have to drive to a reservation or something. Mm-hmm. It's nice if you can, but yeah. yeah.
0: Any little bit we can do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So so as a woman, how how did you know or when did you feel that you had become
1: successful? I love this question too. Um, and I think that there were moments where I felt that way over time and then it was more recently that I realized more I don't know what the word is that I I recently realized I do feel successful overall versus like moments of feeling it. And a big part of that along the journey was hearing my clients share it, like share a testimonial or share about their experience in working with me and what their life is like now and who they are now. So hearing their words, seeing their words, and then, um, joining, this was in 2018 when I joined the second, the second mastermind, um, that was life-changing because in that mastermind, specifically focused on business, the first one wasn't, but specifically focused on business, I had these women reflecting things to me that I just couldn't see for myself. I just could not see, and they, they could see these gifts that I had, and they could see who I was and who I was becoming, and I had... I had still all the self, like a lot of self-doubt that I was working with. So that was really a huge, huge part. Um, and then more recently realizing that being successful could look all sorts of different ways. And it is a feeling you can feel successful, whereas a lot of people put their success into achievements, which can be a part of success, but you can't feel achieve you know, I feel achieved. Or it's not a thing. It, I feel successful is a feeling and emotion. And you can be successful even before you've achieved whatever the thing is that you think you need to achieve. It really is an internal like view on yourself and really recognizing all the positive and recognizing what it is you're doing every single day. And that 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 is success if you choose it to be. And it doesn't have to be some big glamorous thing. It can be these small many small things.
0: Absolutely. I could not agree more. And and thank you so much for sharing that perspective of of success because I I feel like oftentimes we do get caught up in the achievement aspect of it. Like I have to achieve X, Y, and Z, and then I'll be successful. Or I have to, you know, make x amount of dollars and then I'll be successful like those are things that you can like you said those are things that you can achieve but that's not what really makes you successful that it that it is this internal feeling and and especially in your case with with having the feedback from your clients about the impact that that you have made on their lives and how much it's improved their lives I think is a huge indicator of, of success in life and, and being able to help others. So, so thank you for sharing, you know, that, that often overlooked aspect of success.
1: I think it's such an important question for women because to ask this, you know, how do you know you've been successful? Because self-doubt is so rampant, especially for women. And it really, if we don't recognize our success, it inhibits us from doing, you know, more of what we're meant to do and how we can help others in the world or share whatever it is we're meant to share and really recognize that for a couple of years, seeing those client testimonials, I still didn't feel successful. So that's like testimony to just how much it is that internal shift. And, and you can think it's going to be all these things you achieve, but then there are these people like I think Diane von Furstenberg is one example that's coming to mind who she's even said like I wake up every morning and feel like I'm a failure you know like and I might be misquoting things um I believe this it was in a book by Regina Thomashauer but uh why not just decide to recognize our success and actually get to enjoy and feel some a little bit of relief in our nervous system then constantly for our whole life, even if we are successful not seeing it, it just feels like that would be a little bit of a waste. Absolutely. Thank you so
0: much for sharing that. So so kind of along those lines, what, what is some of the best advice that you've ever received?
1: One of my coaches, this was when I was struggling with really bad with the anxiety. At the end of a coaching call, she said this, this sentence that I couldn't even absorb at the time she had recorded the call. So I was listening again and listening for maybe a third time. And I remember where I was, I was sitting in my car cause I'd just driven to my parents I was sitting in my car, waiting, finishing up, listening to the session. And at the very end, she says, Oh, one more thing, let it be easy. And I was like, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> I had no concept <laughs> of that idea. How do I just let it be easy? Um, But the words just like rung so loud and they just stuck. And I knew it was like the future me was like, yeah, this is so true Um, and so important. And I don't know how impactful that might be for other people. But for me, I had just found ways to make things hard and complicated and get in my own way. And if you start to explore this idea of letting it be easy, especially... If you're someone who has had a lot of perfectionism, a lot of, uh, I think that's probably the biggest part, but anyone who's had a lot of anxiety, this is a huge, huge piece of advice that just, you know, that question started going in my head, like, how do I let it be easy? And over time, I began to see ways that things can be easier. Some things don't have to be so hard. Yeah. I
0: think we have a tendency to overcomplicate things and and overthink things and and sometimes think that things can't possibly be this easy. Right? <laughs> that, that we have to we have to overthink it and and just overcomplicate something that you know doesn't necessarily have to be that complicated.
1: Yes. So it's yeah. a good reminder to just let it be easy. What you said there, overthink. I think that's probably why it struck so deep with me because I was in so much overthinking, and our although our minds are incredibly powerful, we're often misusing them and um thinking way more than we need to when we've got some tools that are a lot quicker, like intuition, so there are a lot of there are a lot of actual real tools, real ways we can let things be easy, and they generally involve the opposite of overthinking absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, you've, you've shared some,
0: some hard times that you've faced. Um, so do you have any tips or tricks that you can share with our viewers that, that you use to help get through those difficult times or, or to push through and, and get through that?
1: Yeah, I really think that um, first it's about what you do on the regular So when things aren't hard, what are you doing? Are you still doing things that are like preventative care? So some form of movement. Our bodies are these energetic beings that the energy needs to move. So doing movement, doing something that helps you separate from the mental chatter and mental restlessness, something that is meditative for you, whether that is meditation or time in nature. And having support you need in your life. So whether that's some form of coaching or therapy on the regular, not just when things are hard, but when they are really hard, self-honesty is a huge one. In the past, I, I suffered from spiritual bypassing. So just things were hard but I would be like, but I'm fine. And it's all happening for a good reason. And it's okay, you know, and just not really being honest with myself. Like it's okay if you're not being the most positive person or you're really sad, really angry. uh, Like if you're going, especially if you're going through a loss, like actually being honest with yourself that you're grieving and um, that you are human and you get to be human And not trying to not be human. One of my teachers would say, "Don't try to do something that a rock could do better than you." So a rock could not feel feelings better than you. So don't try to not feel your (laughs) feelings. You always have the funniest um, like analogies (laughs) and stories. Yeah. So really being honest with yourself. The other thing is the relationships, like uh, that I was talking about, having, loving, supportive interdependent relationships where there's a lot of mutual respect. Uh, there's like a give and receive and knowing that you can show up with certain people in your life, really raw, really vulnerable. You can send them, I don't know if you know, Marco poll, it's like video messaging. I, I use, it's like, um you know, like how you can FaceTime, but it's recorded messages back and forth. So I'll some, I have some friends where we'll do that and there'll be some where I'm like, sending a message, just crying. This is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. So sometimes the way through is to let it fall apart, let it be messy and really being that loving presence with yourself through that. So knowing it's okay. I read a really beautiful article recently by, um, let me think of her name, Cheryl Paul, and it's called To Be Human. And it is just it's about like, yep, I'm going to fall down and I'm going to do that thing that I said I wasn't going to do. And, you know, uh, just really, we really are, we are the physical embodiment of the energy of love, having a very human experience. We are a soul that I believe is is unconditional, endless love, having a human experience. So we have to recognize that and it just makes it acceptance and allowance makes it so much easier to weather a storm and to let it be okay, wherever you're at.
0: Absolutely. I, I I definitely think not judging our experiences or how we respond or react to them goes, goes a long way towards, you know, that acceptance and, and being able to, by not judging, we're able to go with the flow instead of fighting against the current Mm -hmm. when it's just, useless it's just wasted energy to try to fight against that just you know it's okay don't judge it just let go you know then you can get your your bearing straight and and pick up and move on from there but i i think i i know for me stopping the habit of judging myself and judging everything that i go through was was huge for me um and just opens up you know so so much more to life than, than just all of these, you know, terrible experiences that I had to go through and and struggles that I had to face. Um, just just not judging because it's not productive. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't help me, you know, so why do it? It's, it's just tearing me down more. So yeah, Yeah. I I think that acceptance and not judging, like you mentioned is, is huge.
1: Yeah. Like with the beautiful story you shared about overcoming depression, like if you had had total judgment on that, you would have hung on, you know, and not been able to say, okay, this is happening. Mm -hmm. What can I do about it? The analogy of the river is such a great, I always come back to water to understand like water and nature to understand life. And it's like, we're on a river in a canoe. And, and when we're struggling, we're trying to row upstream and it's choppy. And when we realize, okay, this is happening, we can take the, the paddles in, let it happen, go with the river and trust that it's carrying us where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. It's way easier oh yes
0: <laughs> way yeah. less effort too <laughs> yeah so you know we've we've talked a lot about different different struggles and and overcoming them so are there is there anything that keeps you awake at night
1: yeah and I try to test that things aside but if there was something keeping me awake at night it's it's intimidating to to do our real work in the world and by that I mean like For me, my work is vulnerable and it's really sharing. It's like you're bearing your soul to a certain degree. And it can be intimidating thinking about being visible and showing up. And really um, just when I have that clear vision of what I'm meant to do, just the vastness of it can feel a little at times overwhelming if I don't practice a lot of faith and trust and break it down and understand everything is just one little step anyways at a time. Um so I think that that visibility piece and I'm sure a lot of women can relate to that that it can be stressful and I don't know intimidating is the word that that comes to me yeah and I think that it's like the flip side of a coin you know like passion and the flip side could easily be anxiety cuz you're just caring so deeply about something so you know mm-hmm keeping my orientation on the faith trust side of that with the passion is helpful.
0: Thank you for sharing that. So, so going back to uh, what we were talking about earlier, as far as, as feeling successful, um, do you have any habits that, that you embrace to, to help you feel successful
1: yeah, so the I mentioned the mastermind that I have right now. I notice a huge difference when I'm actively participating in some sort of circle or group of people working towards a similar goal. So having community and it doesn't even have to be super extensive. We meet once a week and that just is, is awesome. And to, to know I can reach out to them when I have questions, when I, to celebrate things or whatever, just um, having that support built in. I also think self-talk is a habit. So I've practiced over the years, certain thoughts that I wanted to be habitual, like simple things, like I can do this, or I can do hard things or whatever the thought is. And as well as I'm sure people are familiar with positive affirmations, we're always affirming something. So we might as well affirm what we do want to be true. And that's what a positive affirmation is. So I've practiced a lot of those that have become more habitual self-talk. And it's not 100% across the board, but it's I would say more, more of my self-talk is that positive self-talk now. Um, and I mentioned sleep habits. I, I definitely notice a difference when I'm able to have a good morning. I've heard people say, when you own the morning, you own the day. I, t- I get that. Like it, it makes me feel calmer when I have that extra time so that I don't have to feel like I'm rushing. And then I, I think we were talking, I think we were talking about this before and we didn't talk about it yet in the interview, but, but drinking water in the morning, um, it's just an easy health habit to, it, it feels good. First thing, when I wake up to drink a, a nice amount of water and I'm, I know some people don't drink a lot of water and I don't know how they do it. Cause they're also, there's some healthy people that I know, um, but for me, I did just drink so much water and I can only think that that, that helps. You know, I can only imagine that that helps. And then movement. So when I do, um, I do like it's power yoga, so it's pretty rigorous. And that to me is clearing mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. It's doing all the things. So it's not just, not just a workout. So that it's like, I love that because I'm getting so many different things out of it rather than just... Some physical benefits
0: absolutely and I, I'm glad you mentioned um, earlier in your response about having the, that community of like-minded individuals as as a support and it's so so important to to have like-minded individuals that you can reach out to um, so that you don't feel so alone so you don't feel like you know you have to you know bear the burdens of life all by yourself that there's other people. You know that that think along the same lines as you do, or that are going through similar things that you are, that you can reach out to for that that support and that encouragement to to keep going. Um, I know that's been a a huge help for me um, in a number of different ways as well. So I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a game changer. I haven't read the book. Uh, I think it's Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, but my sister was telling me that he mentions this in there um, about a mastermind essentially, um, because we don't know our own blind spots. We also have access to that much more, uh, ideas, wisdom, experience, if it's not just us.
0: Absolutely. So do you have any, we'll call them naughty little habits that, that you indulge in that, you know, you
1: shouldn't, but to do anyways? I, I like this question. I feel like I'm not going to have a very good answer because <laughs> I actively try hard to not shit on myself. So I don't know if I've, you've ever heard that, but quit shooting on yourself. Like, <laughs> I just think that because I've had also the past uh, anxiety disorders with eating disorders, I just try not to do anything too rigidly. It's like, it just works better for me than being, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm like, it doesn't feel bad or naughty or anything because it's, just feels like it's a part of life. Like whatever the thing is. I mean, I'm sure maybe some people would consider having dessert multiple times a day, (laughs) like a bad habit, but sometimes I do. I'll have like a little, uh, something sweet with coffee and then dessert after dinner, but it's dark chocolate. So is that really that bad? And I don't know. I
0: I just
1: let myself do it.
0: I, I like the comment about not being too rigid about things. I, I yeah. think that's important for for women, especially to remember to, to, you know, not be so hard on ourselves and to not be so, so focused on, you know, being in this box and you can only do X, Y, and Z. And that's not life, <laughs> you know, life, life is messy. <laughs> yeah. So just, just go with it. Don't, don't judge yourself or beat yourself up for, you know, in indulging in, in something and, you know, just don't do it all day, every day, you know, practice, practice moderation. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot more challenging and a lot less fulfilling, I think, to, to continually deprive ourselves of, of things that we enjoy. So if you want a little treat or something sweet with your coffee and then something for dinner afterwards, go for it. You know, the only person that's stopping you is you. So I, I, I like that comment about not being so rigid about it.
1: Yeah. I really learned the difference in therapy actually about that of like rigidity and flexibility. And it's one thing to have your intentions for whatever an eating plan or whatever, but if it starts to become rigid, then it can be limiting in your life rather than the, the limitations outbalance the benefits. And I think for some people that more masculine c- rigidity can work well with certain personalities, but I know myself and I know that, and there have been studies about this, especially with food that ac- total restriction is not healthy. And I know there are other things we are not just talking about food, but the other thing to remember as women is, we are inconsistent creatures and we're in a society that tries to make us think we should be consistent, but we are cyclical. We're moved like every two and a half days, our hormones are changing, and our, we're going through multiple phases of a cycle every 27 to 36 ish or whatever it is days. So, yeah, there's no need. Could not agree more. All
0: right. So, take a moment and just reflect on what you wish you would have known. Sooner in life, go ahead and share whenever you're ready.
1: So, I wish I would have known that no one has my answers. Hmm. People can help me and support me, but no one can tell me what's right in my life. I, it is those answers are within me. I wish I would have known earlier that I have a strong intuition, that we all have intuition so that I can learn to trust it and also known my self-worth that I am unconditionally worthy of all the love in the world with no matter what I do or no matter who I am, I just am because I am. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: So what advice would you give to a, a young woman beginning her
1: career? So that really, um, relates to what I was just sharing that I think as you're beginning your career having a way that you can actively work on your self-trust muscles and your self-worth your level of self-worth actively building those muscles and that within yourself will make all the difference between you know where you go and how far and how fast and what you're willing to try what you're willing to say yes to um it's like i was sharing you just you have so much strength and power and magic and wisdom within you so having that level of self trust not not like shutting out others and other wisdom but filtering it through that like okay what does my body tell me what do i what do i know within myself and one way to build that is to have that have that time in your life where you are pausing, where you are tuning in, because we're really um, in a culture that helps us to tune out and helps us to distract and numb with whatever, whether it's food, alcohol, TV, um, social media, and just the, our way of focusing only on productivity. It's all this external stuff. So, As early on as possible before you even start your career, just for life, having that, those practices where you're coming back to yourself and connecting in with yourself. If you're truly connected with yourself, you will feel your infinite worth and you will have those answers and you will be able to tune into a place of faith and trust because that's, that's our truth. That's our soul. So that, that connection to yourself will take you, will, will offer you so much in in your career, in your path, in life. Thank you so much for sharing
0: that. I, I definitely will agree. the The whole self trust and self worth is is a huge component, and and I think for a lot of women, you know doesn't doesn't naturally come until many, 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 many years later in in career and life. And you know to to have that established earlier on in life can just make all the difference in the world with, with respect to, you know, how we, how we experience everything. Um, So I I think that's a really good reminder for women. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Angie, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you again for taking the time to do this interview. We really appreciate it.
1: This has been so nice and I'm so excited for all all the interviews you're going to be doing and the wisdom that gets to be shared here. It is very exciting. Yeah. Pardon me. Thank you.
0: So that is all for this episode of Women's Stars. If you'd like to nominate a businesswoman to be interviewed for Women's Stars, please email their contact information and your reason for nominating them to stars at
1: ontechpartners.com. My name is Shanti Harkness. Until next time, have a great day.